as we go through a series, we kind of laid a foundation last week about Jesus, the light of the world. But I want us to look at probably about four more sermons in a series of Jesus being the light. He is the light in the darkness. If you believe that, say amen this morning. Jesus is the light in the darkness. There's so much darkness seemingly around us, so much deceit, um, confusion, chaos even. But there is a light, an eternal light. His name is Jesus, and his light is not diminished by the problems of this world. His light is not diminished by our problems or our situations or our strongholds. Jesus is the light of the world. And in this sermon series, we're going to look at how Jesus is the guiding light. Jesus illuminates and he shows and he expresses. And there's going to be different types of light that we're going to look at throughout this four or five week series. But I'm reminded as I open this series and as I open this sermon this morning, I'm reminded of a pastor who I could relate to uh, very much at different times. This was a pastor who said throughout the course of the week as he was trying to prepare his Sunday sermon, he just could not get any momentum. And he just could not nail down exactly what God wanted him to preach that Sunday morning. Now, I know we have some preachers and pastors here this morning. I, I, I bet Pastor Allison can relate to this. I know I can. That There have been weeks when you think, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to preach? And, and you can find a topic and you start digging in and then you just realize in your heart, in your soul, it's like, mm, I, that's just not it. Or there have been times I have almost had a whole sermon prepared and only to realize, oh, I just don't think that's, that's not for this week. That's just not what the Lord is saying or, or how he's saying it. And this particular pastor, he went all week long and now uh, that's a miserable week for a pastor now those weeks when the sermon comes pretty clear on monday and i can get it mapped out on monday hallelujah those are revival weeks that's a that's a good week but it always doesn't happen that way i don't know why god does things the way he does but he all week long this pastor struggled to find what it was that god wanted him to preach and he found himself even on saturday just pacing the floor back and forth and, and praying and thinking and trying and, and just, Lord, what is it that I need to preach? And this particular pastor, now, now this is getting desperate at this point. I could, I, as I read this, I could feel the anxiety myself on this because I can live through it sometimes. He was up on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, that's the day, that's the, that's the Super Bowl, that's the day you go to preach, that's when you gotta, gotta do it. And he's up on Sunday morning and he's still struggling, Lord, what is it that I need to preach? And it was about 30 minutes before time for him to leave his house. And the power, the electricity went off and right back on, flickered. Have you ever had that happen to you? Just long enough that everything in the house starts flashing, right? Everything starts flashing. And he said, when it flickered and it went off and it came back on, his answering machine. Now, I don't know. Those are kind of obsolete now, aren't they? I, I, I have an answering thing on my phone, my cell phone. But does anybody still have an answering machine in your, in your house? There's a few. There's a few still have those, those things. We'll come by your house today and bring some of these young people to see what this, this thing called an answering machine is. But he said when the, when the electricity flickered on and off, it reset his machine and the automated computer voice said, 
You only have one message. He said, oh, one message. And that sparked something in that pastor before he left his house to go preach. And he said, you know what? I do only have one message, and that is Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And I guess we cannot ever fail to when we decide we're just going to preach about him. Amen? Preach about Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, the good news that says Jesus Christ came from heaven and lived on this earth and died on the cross and rose again on the third day. And whoever will put their hope and their faith and belief in him can be saved from their sin. We really do only have one message to preach. So in this series, I want to try to just dig around that a little bit, that one message that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the light of the world, that one message. So today I want to look at him being our guiding light, our guiding light. I could think about maybe walking through the house and maybe you're using a little flashlight to guide the way, or now we pull out our cell phones, right, and turn on the light and to guide and see and navigate but a, a guide is important the guide is is so important I, I thought about back in 2017 my wife and I went with another pastoral couple to Honduras in South America we actually were hoping to try to adopt a little girl by the name of Nicole and we really thought that was going to work out and, and it just never did work out but we we went down to Honduras and the entire time that we were in that country, we had a guide, a guide. And I, I guess I realized at the time how important he was, but I definitely, in looking back now, realize how important our guide was. His name was Mario, and Mario was with us. He met us at the airport when we got off the plane there in Tegucigalpa. It's one of the most dangerous airports, they said, for landing in the world. I didn't tell my wife that until after we had landed there. But there is a mountain range, just really, you can just almost bumping up to the airport. And, and people stand and watch the planes, and they would cheer as the planes would land. I thought, oh, my goodness, I didn't know it was that dangerous. I didn't know it was that exciting that they landed safely. But maybe that was just a custom of theirs. But they would stand and were cheering, watching those planes come in. But as we got off that plane, and you go into a whole new world, and I have no earthly idea at that point where to go, and everybody speaks a different language, Spanish, right? And, and, and we had to navigate until we found Mario. I think the other pastoral couple must have flown separately. I don't think we flew together. And so before we all got together, we are just, she and I, in this world until we found our guide couldn't communicate with the people didn't know where to go didn't know what to do i had that same type of feeling a little bit last summer when i went to columbia to go be with wayne wozniak i was a little nervous a little apprehensive i was flying by myself and once i landed in columbia it was the same thing he said you go through customs you do this you do that but because of COVID, i can't come in the airport so you need to find X entrance, and it's going to be very busy, and I'll be standing outside of that entrance. Oh, Lord, help me to find X entrance. 
A guide is very important when you're in those situations. When we were in Honduras with, with Mario and when I was in Colombia with Wayne, they were with me the entire time. They helped me navigate. They took me from place to place. I didn't know the geography. I didn't know where to go and what turns to go. There were times with Mario that the other pastor would say, well, I want to go here. And Mario would say, no, there are gangs that control that whole area. It's not safe for you to go there. So that guide would, would keep us safe and keep us from going to the wrong place. He would help us overcome barriers. You know, our money doesn't spend the same as their money. I remember going with Wayne to the, to the mall at Columbia and taking my money and exchanging it at a little place. And he had to help me overcome all that barrier so I would have the right money to spend while I was there. You took the few American dollars and then you get about that much of theirs. And you're carrying, you feel like you're very wealthy. It's very deceptive. Because our dollars, that much, and there's this much. And you're just carrying it around trying to navigate but our our guide helped us navigate barriers helped us keep us safe he helped us with provision of to know what to eat and what not to eat and what to avoid and where to go and i tell us all of that this morning because i know the importance practically speaking of a guide when i was in colombia and a guide when i was in honduras but i know spiritually speaking how much i need jesus christ to be my guide in living this life. Do you believe that? Say amen. All of those things that I just mentioned, our safety, our provision, our decisions, overcoming barriers, being led in the right directions, the guide, the light is Jesus Christ, and he is here for you, and he is here for me. And I thank God that he is our guide. Let's talk about that a little bit morning, this morning. Let's talk about what Jesus said about himself in our lives. He said, the next slide says this, Jesus said, there is only, say that word with me, one. There is only one way to God. Now, this is not a very popular thing to say in this culture. And I can watch the news, I can watch things on television and, and we can see that, that folks can refer to a higher power and everybody's okay with that. Folks can even use the word God even and folks are okay with that. But it is when we dig down into it and we use this name Jesus is when people get offended. And it's not politically correct any longer to, to say anything about Jesus. Leave that name out of it. I was in a very public meeting of, of educators and leaders one time and someone prayed and he ended his prayer this way. He said, in God's name. In God's name. Now that leaves it pretty broad. That leaves it pretty broad and I think he did that intentionally and that's the mindset of this culture. But I want to say something this morning. The only prayer that's going to get through is going to be the prayer that is prayed through Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's not popular in this culture, but it's true. And it will set us free and it will save our souls and it will show us what God intends for us to know in our lives. Jesus said there is only one way to God. Now, now watch me this morning. I'm going to try to describe a shift that has occurred in recent years, maybe the last decade or less. 
But when I, when I thought about this, I thought, you know, used to be that the, that the competition, so to speak, or the, the, uh, the pulling and, and tugging back and forth was between different religions, and it still is at some level. You know, it was that, okay, well, you're a Christian, you believe in Christ, but I'm a Buddhist, and I follow the teachings of Buddhism. Or I'm a Hindu, and so I believe that I'm here in a certain level of society, and then if I do certain things, I'll be reincarnated into a different level in my next life. And, and the competition, the comparison was Buddhism or Hinduism or maybe Islam. You know, after September 11th, 2001, we heard a lot about Islam and the prophet Muhammad and Allah and all of those things. And so people said, well, I have my right to be Islamic. I have my right to be a Muslim. And, and as long as I'm faithful to my religious views, I'm okay. But Jesus said there is only one way to God, and he's that way. We either have to believe that or we have to reject that. Right? We can't look at Jesus and say, well, he was a good historical figure, but I don't believe he was the son of God. Well, that's just, that's just not even logical to look at that. Because when you read the, the things that Jesus said, he either is the Lord and the son of God, or he is just totally out there. Right? There, there's really no mixing the two. But there used to be this comparison, uh, and still is at some level, among the different religions. But here's the shift I want to describe to you today. The shift that I have seen over the last 10 years that has really been accelerated over the last five years, maybe even over the last couple of years, and that shift in our culture is not so much people being rooted in some religious way. It is people being rooted in saying, I decide my own way. Have you seen that? Have you noticed that? It's not even so much now that, well, I'm a, I'm a Muslim or I'm a Buddhist. It is, I will decide my own way. And you better respect that and you better accept that and you ought not speak out against that. I will decide for myself. And I will define truth the way I define truth. That's the culture we live in. I will create my own belief system and I'll take a little bit of this and this feels good and that looks appealing and I was taught this way and that and I'm going to put it all together and that's my belief system. Leave me alone and I have my right to live my life the way I define my truth. That's the shift that we have seen in culture. And so when a pastor steps out or a teacher or a Christian, when we step out in a conversation even and we say, wait, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the only way to God. It becomes a very adversarial message, but it doesn't have to be an adversarial message if we would listen and understand what it means and the beauty of the fact that Jesus is the only way to God. He is the Son of God, and He provides life to us. It can be a beautiful thing. John 14. I have a scripture this morning. Verse 6. Jesus said to him, he's talking to Thomas right there, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. This is Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you start studying out chapter 14, you see a lot of things that are happening in that chapter. And in fact, if I could assign you some 
homework. I would assign this homework to you. Go home and read and think about John chapter 14. There's so much in there, I will not be able to preach it all and bring it all out in one sermon. Read that chapter. But some of that chapter, Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and he's really teaching and saying that you're a, you are following yourselves, and you are following what you want to believe, and you're really not listening to what God is saying and what God is doing. But then he starts talking to his disciples and talking about what he's going to do and where he's going to go. And Thomas says, Lord, where, we don't understand. And we don't know where you're going to go. And we don't know the way. And Jesus says, Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And when we start seeing about all of this and we start thinking about who Jesus is as the light of the world and the, and the way. There's a little illustration that comes out in, in Jesus' teaching about how Jesus says, I am the way, or let me say it this way. He also said, I am the door, like that door over there that's open. Now, I'm going to close that because that bothers me. Now, if, if that door's closed and locked, whoever's in there, sorry. They can't get out, can they? There's a little illustration about Jesus being the door. There's a little illustration where he says that I'm the way. He says I'm the door. And he says you come in and you're going to find pasture and you're going to find safety, right? But what happens as I went over and shut that door, Jesus himself in the illustration, if you study it out and think about what he's saying, a shepherd would take them into a closed area. Not a closet like that, but it works for today. <laughs> and he would, he would lay down at the entrance. The shepherd would lay down. So as I close that door, think about Jesus laying down there at that door and says, the enemy's not getting in. The wolves and the thieves and the robbers and the people who would hurt you or kill you or steal you, they're not getting in. And I'm laying here and I'm going to make sure I keep you inside the safe fold. Now, isn't that a beautiful way? Isn't that a beautiful way? And, and what he's saying there, you come through my door, you will be saved. Somebody say amen. You will be saved. But then he says, really what he's saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, but if you come through my door, not only will you be saved, you will be secure. Now more than ever, people around us need to know there is security in Jesus Christ. We don't have to live this world being up and down like a yo-yo. Up and down like a jack-in-the-box. Up and down like a roller coaster. How many examples do you want? We don't have to live that way. We can live in security. In security knowing that Jesus Christ is the light of the world and he leads our lives. So when I go in and he shuts the door, he lays down and he says, you're saved. You're secure. There is security. Oh, I feel like preaching. I ought to stay up till 2 a.m. more often. <laughs> but not only when he shuts that door, he lays there and protects us. We're saved. Yes, we're secure. Yes. But he gives us sustenance. He said, you will go in, you will find rest, but you will find pasture. 
What is that? That's what I like. That's what those sheep that I like, they go in an all-you-can-eat buffet. Yeah. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. You will find sustenance. Oh, that's good. All that's good. It's great. All, the, all my needs are supplied through him. But it's even better. Let me put a little icing on that cake this morning. Well, I'd like a piece of cake around that. Let me put a little icing on that cake. It's not only that he gives me what I need practically and supplies all my needs, but he gives me sustenance for my soul. That's even better because that's deep down on the inside. I have the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. I have communion with God. I have peace with him, and he feeds my soul. Have you ever felt weary and just down and drained, but somehow Jesus Christ has fed your soul and on the inside, maybe the outside didn't change, but on the inside you felt that light of Jesus Christ and he fed your soul. Deep down on the inside. So when I go in to this way that it says he's the one way, the only way, and that's controversial, but when we dig down in it, we see how sweet it is and how wonderful it is. And when I go into that way, I see that I'm saved, I'm secure, and I have sustenance through him. Oh, somebody ought to say amen. He has promised us, one writer said this, he is, in terms of for our soul, he has promised us a way, hear me, a way out of anxiety, a way out of despair, and a way out of indecision. That's pretty good. That's very good. Now let, me, let me shift gears for a second and we'll close on a positive note. I'm up here preaching, getting excited, and slamming doors and throwing my hands and all that, but let me add one thought here because I want to balance this sermon out a little bit here and then we're going to end on a high note. The next hard truth that Jesus says is this. Unsaved people go to a place called hell. Now, I get no joy in preaching that. I really don't. I mean, I, and I'll just be honest with you. As, as your pastor, you know, I kind of struggled with that all week and I was like, ah, Lord, do I really have to, you know, to have to preach that. I mean, you know, there's no joy in that. But I'm reminded of the story of a, of a couple. It's still true. That's right. I'm reminded of a couple of preachers that came through and preached. And one came through and he preached about hell. And I mean, he preached hellfire and brimstone. And I mean, you know, tender hides. Could I use that? I don't know. I probably won't use that term at 11 o'clock. That wasn't good, was it? I mean, he preached it hard. You know, hell, fire, and hell, and made him, you know, you're, you're, you better, you're going that way. And all, you know. And there was really no response. Really no response. Another preacher came through a few weeks later, and same congregation, same topic, he preached about hell. Several people got saved, gave their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. And somebody said, well, what's the difference? This one that came through and just, you know, put it down on everybody. And this other one that preached. The difference was the second man preached like he didn't want 
anybody to go to hell. That's how I want to preach. Right? That's how I want to preach it this morning. I, I know hell is an awful place. Hell is a place of isolation. There are no parts. Somebody said, I'll see you in hell and we'll party together. No, no. You won't see anybody in hell. It's a place of outer darkness. It's an endless pit. You will be falling, uh, falling and falling. Nobody will see anybody in hell. It's a place of torment, of gnashing of teeth and outer darkness. You know who spoke the most about hell? Jesus. Jesus. It's an awful place of burning and torment, of eternal punishment. And I think even worse than that will be the separation from God himself. And from everybody else that we've loved. Now we can preach that in two ways I guess couldn't we. But I want to be like that second preacher. I want to tell you the reality. I, want to, I gave you just a little tidbit of what hell is like. That's enough for me to say I don't want to go and I don't want you to go. And I hope you hear my heart this morning that I bring up the topic not to blast anybody, not to threaten anybody, but I, I bring it up to say if you're here this morning and you're not ready to go to heaven, you can make things right today. I'm here this morning to say hell is a real place, but it does not have to be your destination. We can be saved, gloriously saved, our sins forgiven, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ on our way to a place called heaven, and we do not have to go to a place called hell. Final point here this morning. Well, show, let's show that scripture, just so you'll see what I'm preaching about. Matthew 10, 28. This is Jesus again. Everything I've said today is backed up by Jesus, not my goal as a preacher is to share to you the words of Jesus Christ, right? Not my theories, my, my thoughts. Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said this, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather feel, fear him, talking about God, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Right? Fear him enough to say, I, I want you to come in my heart my life. Forgive my sins. I want to live for you. I want to walk in this way. I want to turn from my sin. I want to head to a place called heaven. I have a final quote I want us to chew on a little bit here this morning in our response time. Unless a person comes to Christ seeking to be a different person, he is not coming to Christ at all. A.W. Tozer. He's saying, Tozer here, one of the great theologians of the past, he's, he's saying, let's mean business with God, right? Mean business. Let's not just stand and repeat a few words after a pastor and say, well, I'm all right, or come and shake somebody's hand. Or, or What he's saying there is, when I come into the way, when I accept Jesus Christ, as my personal Lord and Savior, it is the most important decision, most significant decision that I would ever make. Amen? And I asked you this morning, have you made that decision? I mean, have you really, really made that decision that I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ? I want him to forgive my sins, and I want him to change my life. I really want to be a child of God. Is that all right this morning?
Would you stand with me today? And we're going to pray. And, and I, as we do so often, would you examine your heart and life this morning? Would you do that for your pastor today from the youngest to the oldest? Would you, as we go into this prayer time and they're going to sing a song as we're praying and worshiping, would you examine your heart and your mind? Would you say, all right, I'm at peace with God. I know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I've made a decision for him. Or if you're standing there this morning and you, you know just something is amiss, Something's not right. Can I tell you who will tell you that? Who will show you that? It won't be me. It's the Holy Spirit. My, my job is just to proclaim the gospel. But the Holy Spirit, he'll come to you. And if he's stirring your heart and you feel like he's drawing you to God, drawing you to Jesus Christ, then respond to him. Be the best decision ever made, right? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I, I, I just feel, God, that, that you are up to something special today. I just feel that your presence has been here from the very beginning of the very opening of this service, Lord. Your presence has been here when the praise team opened up with that song of rejoicing. And then when Pastor Darrell gave in that scripture, that goes right along with this message today. And so, Lord, I just feel that, that the Holy Spirit is, is active in this place and He is speaking to individuals and He's dealing with them and He's, he's reminding them of what this Word has been said today. And, and, Lord, I just pray that each one would respond to the, to the moving of the Holy Spirit in their hearts and their minds. If there's any God that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior. God, I pray today, in this moment, they would ask you to forgive their sins, come into their heart, into their life, and experience that beautiful born-again experience. I pray today, God, if there's, there's one or, or many that are standing here today that they, they have come to you, they've given their heart and life to you, but they know that they've, they've just drifted away. And they, they know that, and the reason they know this is because the Holy Spirit is, is stirring this in their heart. And it says, you know, you're just not really living the way that, that, that I want you to live. And you're just not having the relationship with me that, that I want you to have. I pray, God, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to somebody like that today, that, that you would just help them to respond. And what a beautiful thing it is. And so, Lord, just move in this house. And, Lord, I just thank you. Before I close this prayer, I thank you for Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. I thank you, God, that we have the privilege of coming to him and coming to you. I thank you, God, that we can leave sin behind. We can leave insecurity behind, anxiety and depression behind. The things that perplex us, we can leave them behind and we can step into a new life with you. Holy Spirit, bless your people today, even as we pray. Let us be responsive to you this morning. In Jesus' name.